This After Dark podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Wendy Presser at Magical Journeys Travel is proud to be a sponsor of the After Dark Podcast Network. Whether you've been to Disney one or a hundred times, there's still lots of planning involved. Let Wendy be the one up at midnight when your window opens to get that Be Our Guest reservation, or that covers with Anna and Elsa Fastpass for your own princess. Mention that you heard this ad on one of our podcasts and get $25 off your deposit with any trip package. Be sure to ask about her generous onboard credits for Disney Cruise Lines as well. Find her on Twitter at WPMagicJourneys or WPMagicJourneys.com. Warning. This show contains childish adult content and is intended for immature, mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views spoken are hours and hours alone, not those of any other bugger. If you're easily offended, we strongly suggest finding another podcast. Everybody neat and pretty, then on with the show. Hello and welcome to another edition of uh, Diz After Dark. I am Nick and joined, I'd say as always, but that's not always the case because sometimes people are here and sometimes people aren't, uh, but I am joined by Mr Dolan. Good evening, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you very much for asking. Um, I, we are also joined by P-Dubs himself, Paul Washington. Hello, you morose motherfuckers. <laughs> I don't what? even know where that come from. But... Is that a quote? Yes, it's from Jane Silent Bob. <laughs> I haven't watched Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back and in, in fact, a long it's time. about what we were talking about before the show started. Ghostbusters 2? No, oh. Ben Affleck. Oh, ben Affleck. He was a bombing <laughs> phantom show. Um, and also we have the talented uh, and almost named like an ice cream, Mr Chris Whitley. <laughs> I can't top what he said. Not with hundreds of thousands. Hey! Ice cream <clears throat> joke. Ice cream joke. Um, I noticed the other week, because I, I struggle, even now as a full-grown adult, I still occasionally struggle with pronouncing my R's, um, which is something I've had from childhood. And it's because my dad used to um, rip the piss out of me so much um, about me not being able to pronounce my R's. It gave me a real uh, stigma when I was growing up. It's not the only reason why I don't talk to him anymore. But it's certainly up there. Um, and so I, I try and make sure I don't Jonathan Ross too much but um, the other week I did almost call you Chris Whipley and I was like oh like Whippy Ice Cream so that's where the ice cream reference comes ah. from oh, this is a good way to pod a, pad a podcast I, ba- out. I balance you out Nick go on first degree murder I balance you out 
It is very true. He's like having Taggart on a podcast. Um, <laughs> now, before before we kick off the show the way we do each and every show, um, I just wanted to say a quick thing following up from the last show. Um, I just wanted to say a heartfelt thank you to um, everyone who did uh, reach out to me. I don't think anyone emailed us, um, but I did get a few private messages and, and private on Facebook and on on Twitter um, and some public ones, but but mainly private. And um, just to everyone, although I think I've replied to everyone individually, I just want to say thank you because, um, you know, it, it was good to know I had support, but it was also interesting um, to find out some of like your your backstories and, and, and your history with it as well, um, with having a child with autism. So uh, I want to say thank you for that. And one thing that I failed to mention last time and there was a slight Disney connection with this whole thing as well. And that is that one of the things that um, my son relates to the most is Toy Story. And it's something that he has almost been obsessed with for as long as I can remember. Probably about six or seven months, maybe. Um, and even now, it's a thing that if something's really bothering him or he's upset, if we put Toy Story on any of them, any of the films or the, the holiday specials that they made, or even the little shorts they put in front of films, um, it, it kind of takes him to his happy place. So um, that's, that's uh, you know, a reason why um, Disney has such an impact um, on, on our lives. I mean, I think it affects us all in different ways, whether that's a film that we love or the theme parts or something, but it's, it's something that universally can bring people together and certainly brought us together. Um, but uh, it, it's it's something that helps him connect to the world, uh, and so I, I forgot to mention that, and I thought, what an idiot! How did I miss that? So as it's a Disney podcast, but uh, yeah, and I, and I think some of you have said um, you've got similar things, so um, yeah, it's it's lovely to hear that, and, and thank you. Um, but this isn't going to be a weekly thing. We're not going to have autism updates like that. Um, but I just, as it had been on the last show, I just wanted to kick off the show with that. And we'll now go into the show as normal with asking what everybody is drinking tonight. And I am going to start with Chris Ripley. Ah, well, I'm poised because you know how we are not sponsored by Bud Light. Indeed, at the moment. At the moment, but we wish to be sponsored by Bud Light. In that case, I am drinking a nice, tall, cold, frosty can of Heineken. Hey! <laughs> Until Bud Light sponsor us. Hey, get your hands <laughs> off of my hiney. Um, one of one of my favourite lines from Austin Powers. Um, what, what's quite funny, actually, you mentioned Bud Light because we haven't uh, because Amanda's not been drinking it, uh, and they haven't agreed to sponsor us just yet. I, I Sales have dipped na- nationwide. Absolutely. Um, but I went into my local um, ASDA, ASDA Walmart. Other supermarket brands are available. And um, while I was queuing up at the till, there was a standee where if you bought four cans of Bud Light, you got a free Bud Light pint glass. Mm. Um, now, we went out for a meal for my, my birthday with a couple of our friends, um, and he, he got his Bud Light served in one of these Bud Light pint glasses. Um, anyway, after a few drinks, that glass ended up coming home with us in someone's handbag. Uh, for him, not for me. So I decided to buy it. I did it the legal way. I actually bought myself four cans of Bud Light and uh, and got a free glass. 
Um, so if if you are interested in getting a branded glass, check your local uh, Asda. That's what I say. Um, I, I thought um, Trader Sam's was the only place you end up coming out with the uh, glasses. <laughs> no, anyway, it does a decent glass. I used to, oh back in the day. Do you, do you ever remember when they used to like certain uh, chains of of bars and, and things used to give out decent shot glasses, not plastic flimsy things, but actually like either branded or um, just just quirky shot glasses. Mm. Yeah, they don't pretty comfortable. Yeah, and they're very easy to, to take with you. So, and having worked in the bar, they were always <laughs> glad to see them go. To be honest, because they hated branded stuff. So you're actually doing them a favour, really. Um, Mr. D? Um, also a brand beginning with B, but not Budweiser. Bulmers. Ah. Pear cider. Oh, no, it's not pear. It's original cider. Ah, so that is the apple variety of cider. Yep, that's it. Is it like... I, I read a thing where if it's not apples or pears, it's not cider. So like all this, all this kind of fruit stuff at the moment isn't officially cider because cider has to be made with apples. Uh, now, listen, I fully agree with you because in theory, if it's made with pears, it's hairy. That's correct. Yes, that's right. So I, I agree with you, Nick. This is just bad education. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure it's just what... Because I've noticed recently, I went into my, the, uh, the beer and cider section and uh, even like companies like Smirnoff now have got into this act. Now, I remember when we had the early nineties and Alcopop, or so the late nineties, and Alcopop was a thing. So you like you had your hooch and your diamond dogs and stuff like that, and Mets. And these were all, you know, soft drinks with alcohol in them, essentially. Um, Bacardi breezes, and they were everywhere. Hooch. Oh, well, Hooch mm. was the king. Hooch, but, yeah, but Asbo. <laughs> not sure that was one, but it certainly led. I think I think drinking too many of them did lead to Asbos. Um But they were a thing for a long time, and they kind of faded away a little bit. Like I mean, you everywhere you went, if you looked into a bar, like a beer cabinet in a pub, it would be full of alco pots rather than beer. And then it kind of shifted again. And I think now the shift is going back because I said you know Smirnoff do one. Um, and it's all it's all fruit stuff. Pins do some, so I think they're going back down that route. But rather than calling them what they are, they just call them. They just add cider to the word. Yeah, and that's it. So it's still an alcopop. Or yes, if it's steadar twice cedar. Um, yeah, just just very bizarre. Um, Mr. Washington, uh, I'm sticking with with drinks that begin with B, but I'm drinking black currant. <laughs> I'm also I don't know what it is it's almost like um, an episode of Sesame Street in a way today we're sponsored by the letter B um, I'm also drinking a drink that starts with the letter B uh, as tenuous as it is uh, you just missed that sound but I'm uh, drinking a bottle of Cherry Pepsi Max <laughs> there's been far too much gin drinking recently and I'm out of tonic water so I thought I'd give it a, a week off. Um, but, uh, well, we've done that. So now this. Um, so we've got a few... Th- uh, there's not been much in the news, actually, has there? I I've think... got a couple of news stories. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and I know as well, and I should I should tease this up at the beginning of the show. Um, a little rumour, there might be a soapbox later on in the show. 
Mm. Which Ooh. I cannot wait for because I'm not involved. Um, <laughs> so, in in that case, uh, Mr. Ripley, if you'd like to kick us off. Okay, well, they're both food related news stories. Oh, the best. Yeah. Did you know that there is a secret lemonade menu? Oh. Yeah. A secret lemonade drinker. Um, <laughs> that's for anyone over 30. Um, at, at Pecos Pills in the Magic Kingdom. Well, so this this secret menu, am I mm-hmm. right in that it's not just limited to that location? Like there is officially a, a kind of secret menu in a few different places. Well, possibly, but I've got the lowdown on this secret menu. Mm. In as much as the secret menu is only available between 3 and 6 p.m. So a happy hour. Yeah, and the secret menu only constitutes actually to one item on the menu, which is a uh, portion of nachos, which is delivered in a wheelbarrow. (laughs) This is true. Served on a wagon wheel, and it feeds 10 people. Now, can we just be completely clear on this point? Mm. When I mean the wheelbarrow, uh, I mean it sounds ridiculous, but th- you know I can live with that. I'm more concerned with what it's um, what it's served on. And mm. The reason for that is because yeah. this won't mean really much to American <laughs> listeners, but in, in in the UK we have a chocolatey biscuit. <laughs> called a wagon wheel which i think i think you'll agree mr ripley back in the day was almost the size of a wagon wheel um now mm. they're bloody tiny so i'm well, it's I'm a space sh- saver now isn't it oh it's, yeah it's i, I mean it's, they might as well call it a voulevant or something i mean it's ridiculous um i'm assuming that's not what it's served on it's actually served on a wagon wheel it is, and it is a pile-high mountain of nacho chips, guacamole, salad, chilies, sour cream, cheese, and the salad. The sour cream is in a, a ball in the middle, and then they put chilies in either side of the ball to make it look like a hidden Mickey. Ha <laughs> Well, that's quite sweet. Um, mm. I well, firstly, I mean, I, I don't like this culture of putting food on wood. Mm. I don't understand this at all. Like, or roof slates. Oh god, yeah. Or I've seen toilet pans. I, it's it, it's it's ludicrous. I just don't see one how it's that hygienic. Mm. But secondly, I don't want to eat on a fucking bit of wood. No. Like I just I don't. It doesn't appeal to me. I've been to like an upmarket restaurant where your your food is served on a plank of wood, and I'm just like, get me a plate. I just want a plate. So all I want is a plate. Can you imagine if you started going to like uh, one of the, the breakfast buffets or something like that at Disney World, and you went to get your plate, and they're like, "Oh no, just take a piece of wood." Where yeah. does the madness end? But but the wagon wheel. Surely a wagon wheel has has gaps. It's not well, a solid bit of wood, is it? It's a bit like the kitchen sink. It it's not really a kitchen sink, but it sort of is. Okay, oh right, okay, okay, fine, okay. All right, well, we ignore that then. Um, this is more like a wagon hubcap, <laughs> I think. So, I mean, I know it sounds silly, but I mean, normally when I go out, not everyone likes nachos. 
Mm. And people do like nachos. Like, um, so when we went out to the, the, for the birthday meal that I mentioned earlier, um, my wife, my wife wanted nachos, um, and we said to the couple that we are with, "Oh, if we get some nachos, w- would you have some as well?" Because they were kind of different about whether to get a starter or not. And I'm like, "Yes, but we don't like guacamole or sour cream. We can live with cheese." So. We didn't have to have that on the side, which is fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Oh, and salsa. Didn't like salsa, right? Basically, they just, they just like like nacho chips. Um, so we had everything on the side, which is fine because you could, you know, dip. Although we did also try and teach my wife that double dipping is not etiquette. <laughs> she wasn't like having it either. She was being deadly serious about not, you know, she didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, but we did educate her with some Seinfeld. Um, but so, for, for a portion of ten people, what happens if somebody doesn't like guacamole or somebody doesn't? Oh, I and mean, I don't like sour cream. Or Austin Powers quote number two: "Ones if they don't like guacamole, molly, 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 molly." I forgot about molly, molly, molly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a big old pile. Um, You'd have to find ten people that all want to have nachos. Mm. It just sounds a bit ridiculous. How much is this demon dish? Eighty-five US dollars. Holy fuck! Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, all right. Let you know. So you're looking at eight dollars fifty a head plus sales tax, right? If you're if you're thinking of it like that, between ten people. And mm. looking at the size of it, you probably wouldn't want to even risk it with five people. I mean, it is a ridiculous mound of food. Um, mm. But even so, just think of that price. I paid that. In fact, I think I paid just less than that for a steak in Gordon Ramsay's, a fillet steak in Gordon Ramsay's in Vegas. But that was a gourmet meal. Which which one at uh, Vegas? Uh, STK. Uh, no, it's not called SCK, it's called Steak. Gordon Ramsay Steak, which is in the Paris. Oh, uh, the Paris one, yeah. It's I got know. a very good in- entrance because it's supposed to resemble the Channel Tunnel. Channel Tunnel, yeah. From, from France into England. <laughs> very Genius. creative. Um, and I went there just after it, like literally the, the week after it opened. No, less than that. I think it was four days after it had opened. It opened a week early. So that's how we managed to get table reservations. Um, you know, and that and don't get me wrong, that's excessive for food, right? And I and I get that, but it, to me, it was a once in a lifetime thing. I wasn't planning to go back to Vegas anytime soon, and it was a Gordon Ramsay, so I I kind of you know accepted that. But to spend that same amount, even between a group of people, on nachos, just sounds to me crazy. Plus, you're right in the middle of the Magic Kingdom. You know, it's not. Do you really want to eat really hot, spicy? Greasy food and a massive portion of that right in the middle of the theme park. I mean, you know, what's a doggy bag like? Is it a doggy sack? Oof. You get the wheelbarrow to take it back to the TPC, <laughs> probably. Just wrap it in cling film. Um, <laughs> so, 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 how did this? Because I mean, if it's a secret menu, that means it must have been discovered, unless it got leaked. So, did someone discover it? Did it get leaked? Do we know? Well, I don't know for sure, but I do know that the um, the Disney food blog, AJ Wolf, 
she's a big fan of this restaurant and she's forever going on about it and um she managed a campaign to get him to bring back like the plastic cheese and all the other bits that go into this restaurant. I mean, it's it's all right. I mean, it's not the best place to eat in the world, but it's got a it's got a huge fan following. So I think mm. this is just something that, that that they said they could do. They've sort of probably this is more of a trial than anything else. Because it's only between three and six. Um, maybe it's Disney just trying to respond to the fans that really like this restaurant. Mm. Who who the hell campaigns to bring back plastic cheese? Well, AJ Wolf, plastic mace. I like Americans, but some of the stuff you guys have over there is, you know, fucking cheese in a can. You know what? I'm not. That's not even by far the worst thing, right? Has anybody seen whole chicken in a can? Oh, have you? No. Have you guys seen that? Just, just, no. just, just while you're on this call, uh, sorry, just while you're sitting around the table, the, the the mouse's head. If you want to Google chicken in a can. On it. it is it is quite something. Is that a funny shaped can? Is it like the shape of a chicken? Oh nope. my god. Nope. It, it is a chicken. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's oh. an actual chicken. That a I'm getting rid of my space. phone, that's going over there. <laughs> <laughs> It'll still be there later on, that's the problem. Um oh. yeah, that's a real thing. So <laughs> you know <laughs> you know, don't any Americans that ever slag off English food chicken in a can you're welcome um, well, Adam, he's always I've just found it <laughs> yeah exactly oh Adam's, Adam's one I bet although I bet even he wouldn't have chicken in a can that's um, just wrong oh you know somebody who was it was somebody was having a go at me about Jetty Deals who was that I don't think it was that no it wasn't Adam who was it was it Craig probably it sounds like a Craig thing it was probably the other night actually yeah, I'm sure it was those those Northerners. Um, and, you know, and fair enough, Jelly Deals. But Jelly Deals or Chicken in a Can. Which probably has more jelly on it than, than even the Jelly Deals. Um, wow. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely something. Um, right, so, yeah, so alright. So, I've, I've made my feelings quite clear about this. Um, Pete, I've just been quiet about nachos. Would, would this be something that if you was in a group of people, you'd want to order? Eighty-five dollars It wouldn't be something that I specifically chose, but if someone else was, obviously, if there was a group of us that were going to order it, then then I'd dig in. But I well, wouldn't, I wouldn't bring it up as a as a subject. But, go and order them. What if I told you that if you eat it all, and that means lick the wagon wheel clean, you get a certificate, a cowboy hat each, and a sheriff's badge? Oh, can I be interested? I didn't know there was a certificate involved. Oh, yeah, the there's a reward. Oh, yeah, right. <clears throat> I've not had a certificate since I did my uh, 32 links, I don't think, when I was uh, 25. No. Um, <laughs> just yeah. last year. Just last year, yeah. Um, well, I mean, who doesn't love a cowboy hat? Mm. Um, you know, Paula Cole once sang, Where did all the cowboy? Where have all the cowboys gone? Uh, well, they're all in Patrick's there. Bills. Quite clearly, yeah. with a cowboy hat off. Um, yeah, I still don't think I'd go for it personally. I just think it's a, a bit excessive. I thought we was over this culture of food challenges. It seems to have hit the UK all of a sudden. But you know, if you think about five, six years ago, when man versus food was like a big deal, it seemed to be like 
you know, any restaurant that wanted to be any restaurant would have like a ridiculous food challenge. And that's kind of what this sounds like. But I thought that that kind of thing was kind of um, not frowned upon, but that's why it's secret. <laughs> well, that's the other thing as well, because was it last week, last show that we were talking about McDonald's pulling out, or uh, sorry, Disney and McDonald's splitting up, which is why they don't yeah. toys anymore. So, you know, if you think back to that, that was supposedly because, um, well, I don't think it was official, but, you know, because of the timing of it, it seemed to be because, you know, McDonald's is unhealthy food and, you know, Disney didn't want to be associated with that. Um, and, you know, maybe it's just me being a bit of a grump, but that seems like an excessive waste of, of food. Mm. I, I can't imagine there'll be many people even with a group of 10 of you, that would polish that off. I mean, it's... I'm sure we'll get Craig stick a picture on the website or something, but, I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of food, isn't it? Um, And I know... I know this this is me being grumpy now, but, you know, we live in a world where, in the UK, we have people that eat out of food banks. America has a culture where people aren't even paid a decent enough wage, where they have to rely on tips. And also get quite a few Brits, I imagine, that don't know how to tip. Because we're not used to having to tip in that... Uh, and, and the amounts that you tip uh, in that culture. Um, but they don't seem to have this law in America where there's a proper minimum wage that's adhered to. Um, and And also, on top of that, there was a story... But during D23, of apparently cast members at Disneyland that had to live in their cars mm. because of the wages. Being Some have low. come out about Walt Disney World as well. Well, it doesn't surprise me. Mm. I just know that's where the story was, was kind of based. And you know, Disneyland Paris have had their things before. But what I mean is, in unfortunately, a, a time that we live in where there is, even in what you refer to as a first world country, uh, people that are really struggling and can't afford to put food on the table, we still have things like this. And I just think it's a bit much. Have you ever tried the kitchen challenge at Universal? No. I've not had any food challenges at any, any theme park, actually. Well, good friend of the show, Malaby, mm. Evening Lee, uh, UUOP did a um, challenge there, didn't they? They got some of their listeners. Yeah, that's right. In the Hard Rock Hotel, yeah. So I yeah. don't know if anyone actually completed it, but you get the meal free, and I think you get it. Do you get a T-shirt or something? I can't remember now. But I mean, I'm not. I'm not don't get me wrong. I'm not against food challenges. Uh, you know, any all food challenges because you know some of them are things like you know really hot chicken wings and stuff like that. Where that that's that's something else. That's not really about excess. That's about actually, you know, having something you've got a hurdle you've got to get over. But unlimited food isn't the same. Like in my eyes, isn't the same thing. That's a different kind of challenge. Um, would, would you like another food-based news story? Yeah, of course. I'm yes, not please. against food. <laughs> the nachos kept us going for a while. <laughs> oh, with that Which is probably true in real life as well. Yeah. Can you imagine um, what that plate's going to look like though after about after ten people have been pawing it for five minutes? Oh, oh God! 
Anyway. Too much. Moving on. Nothing to see here. Moving on. <laughs> um, through to the end of September 30th this year, uh, DVC, annual pass holders, and members of the Tables in Wonderland uh, membership can now enjoy 30% discount on select restaurants between 6.30 and 8.30. These restaurants include Artist Point at Disney's Wilderness Lodge, Boatwright's Dining Hall at, at Port Orleans, Captain's Grill at the Yacht Club, right, just for... for point of reference those three restaurants are terrible uh oh. citrico's at grand floridian flying fish at the boardwalk which is quite strange because that's literally just been refurbed grand floridian cafe gico which is the best restaurant in walt disney world olivia's cafe at the old key west the turf club bar and grill at saratoga springs and the wave at disney's contemporary resort sorry what was that what was that one you said was the the best on result grico's Gico, the Animal Kingdom. Okay, I don't think I've ever heard of it. It's their signature. Yeah, signature. Oh, it's brilliant. It's, oh, it's okay. probably one. It's one of my favourite restaurants, full stop, in the world. Let alone just wow. at Walt Disney. Okay. Yeah, funny, funny what you say about Flying Fish though, because mm. Flying Fish was like the becoming the hot restaurant, and then they refurbished it. Yeah. And I don't hear as much since they refurbished it, and and we were going to go. Mm. the last time and we looked at the new menu and I'm sure it's good but it just didn't inspire us really so it's almost like they've taken a step backwards and that may be why it's in this promotion because all those restaurants you've mentioned Chris mm. tend, tend to be the quieter restaurants I think yeah I mean Flying Fish is odd because that was a hugely popular restaurant mm-hmm. then they refurbed it it was down for I don't know a year we yep. got an ADR about a month after it reopened really easily, which mm-hmm. really and truly shouldn't be true for one of their best restaurants. Yeah. Um, and the best thing about it, literally, was the bar next door that's magi- that is magician-themed. That was mm. actually the best thing about the whole experience. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely doesn't seem to be, you know, it had a lot of buzz and a lot of hype. It doesn't seem to have that anymore. No, I mean, it's good. It's just not... Mm-hmm. As perhaps as good as it used to be, maybe. Yeah. But I don't know. That's so. I've never really understood Tables in Wonderland. Tables in Wonderland? Yeah. Tables in Wonderland. Yeah. So I, I I kind of understand what it is. I mean, it's 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 essentially a card that gives you discounting restaurants. But yeah. I've never understood like it's. Am I right in thinking it's not an official Disney? No, it is. Oh, it, it is. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got to be a you've got to be an annual pass holder, I think, to yeah. to be able to purchase oh, it. Okay. And it costs you is it one hundred and fifty dollars? Jesus. One hundred twenty five dollars, something like that. But then when you purchase it, you get twenty percent off. And I think that's food and drink. So they're <laughs> obviously bumping that up now for this promotion. You, you get your 20% off. I think yeah. it includes your tip as well. And I think we used to get three valet. Right. Okay. So it was a nice little package. And then they used to do special events as well. Like I remember one time they opened up the um, great movie ride and they just put tables all the way through it. And then people could dine for one night only in uh, the great movie ride. Interestingly, yeah. that was something else I was going to bring up. 
Because then if you see the the walkthrough they did for the Disney blog, you can actually yeah. walk through the the great movie ride, and they had like snacks and things in the Wizard of Oz scene. Hmm. Oh yeah, when you got to the end. Yeah, I see oh. they're selling they're selling merchandise as well. Oh my! What a surprise yeah. there. Yeah, like, <laughs> like last wishes. I can't remember the last thing that closed that didn't have closing merchandise. It's I can't. Yeah. Like, it's become a thing. I I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, I get it for um, I get it for the great movie, right? It's an opening day attraction, but it's yeah. It just seems odd that everything that closes now. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure if they close the Rapunzel toilets, they have a <laughs> fucking t-shirt for that. But, I, but at the same time, I know buy one as well. Hello, <laughs> Craig. <laughs> Yeah, Tables in Wonderland is a 20% discount on food and beverage, including alcohol. Okay. Um, and it's complimentary valley parking at resorts and theme parking uh, theme parks for dining purposes. So presumably if you've got a de- a, an ADR reservation, then you get free valley parking. Don't think it's the tip, Chris. I think that's... Uh, well, it... Uh, and it's $175 for Florida residents and $150 for Walt Disney World pass holders and DVC club members. Oh, so you can buy it without an annual pass then if you're a Florida resident. If you're a Florida resident, yeah. Mm. I mean, this is the this is my feeling on it. Um, 20%, I mean, it's still a, a, a fair discount, don't get me wrong. But when you consider if you had a Disneyland Paris annual pass you got 10% off your food I don't think it's I'm almost certain it's not off beverages but it's definitely off food as part of the annual pass now the Disneyland Paris annual pass they have gone up but even a top tier annual pass is about uh, $400 now P-dubs what is it yeah, it's about 400 euros. Yeah. Yeah, so it's 400 euros. Um, and I mean, what's the what's Disney World annual pass looking at now? Oh, I barely, don't know. About yeah. $800, I think. Yeah, starting price, I think, uh, as well. Yeah. Um, then it got to all different thousand, tiers. Yeah. yeah. All different tiers. Well, so, I mean, same with Disneyland Paris. I mean, I think their cheapest one is about $150. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't give you the restaurants. That's why it looks at the top tier. But. You know, essentially, let, let's just say you've got the, the top tier and it's uh, $1,000. You've still got to pay another $170. Was it, uh, no, it's $150, isn't it, on top to get mm-hmm. 20% off. Your but you only need one, and it does up to 10 people. So if one of you's got a Tables in Wonderland card... Yeah, but that's the same with the annual pass. It's off your table. Right. Okay. It's not. It's not per person. So yeah, I would just whip out my card. I said card, not anything else, Craig. And um, <laughs> you know, flash that, and again, card, Craig. And they'd give you ten percent off your uh, off. Um, yeah, I think it's ten percent off your, your your whole food bill. Um, so mm. I don't think it's drink as well. I mean, as a shareholder, it was fifteen percent, which yeah. there's some issues about that, which we'll, I might bring up in a second. Um, but either way, I think to, to charge people on top for that, I, I just think it's a bit much. Yeah, it's, it's voluntary. You don't have to take it. Oh, no, no. No, I know. And I mean, yeah. the thing is, if you was... I mean, I suppose it depends on how often you go, because... Well, we, we actually did have Tales in Wonderland once. Um, we were there for three weeks, hmm. 
and we knew we were coming back within 12 months. It was sort of like 11 months on we were coming back and for another fortnight, so we thought we would get it. And then when we worked out actually how much we'd dined out and how much we'd spent on the actual pass, we were sort of like sort of just under, I think we made a saving. Yeah. That's something you have yeah. to you have to spend quite a bit to mm. get that money back. Um, it depends. If you're on the Danan plan, then obviously it doesn't contribute anything towards the Danan plan unless you buy other stuff. So if you buy other starters or desserts that are above and beyond the dining plan, then you can still use your tables in Wonderland with the dining plan. Yeah. Also, if you're dining in some of these hotels or you're kind of, inverted commas, dining in these hotels, you're not going to the hotel to park to go to Epcot. No, you wouldn't do that, of course. Um, but if, you're, if you've if got the, no. that card, then you can obviously uh, valet for free as long as you've dined out. Um, and that is bloody handy, particularly if some of those hotels around the Epcot area are full up with cars, because that does happen, um, you will get in with a valet uh, pass. And then also, if it's a busy night and everybody's piling out of Epcot, you've got the ticket to valet, boom, you're straight out of there. Well, yeah, and I suppose as well, I mean, what's it cost to, to park? Is it $20 now a day? $25? Mm. Regular like parking is, yeah. yeah. Uh, $20. And that's, that's in the mass car park, so you've still got a, mm-hmm. you know, that's your transportation centre, isn't it? So you've still got to get to the park from there whilst... Didn't you know, they start so... charging at the hotels as well for parking? Universal do. I think no. Disney started testing the water with it. Yeah, I, I read that. Yeah, I don't think yeah, I it's think... official. Yeah, they certainly tightened up... Um... For, as you say, Chris, for some of the resorts that are near the parks, yeah, you know, you, you must have an ADR. Now, if you turned up and you weren't a Walt Disney World guest and you didn't have a, any kind of pass, would you have to pay for parking? I don't know. I didn't think so, but I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Not sure. But yeah, I think if you're not on the dining plan and you're going to be there for a reasonable amount of time especially if you're going to be drinking some alcoholic drinks then the yeah. tables in Wonderland will pay for itself you know I think yeah if you're pretty quickly for, I think yeah I think if you're you know if you've done a, if you've done like what, what Chris did there and you went for like three weeks or you're going on multiple trips I know that um, Vicky um, who listens to, well I think she still listens to this show I don't know but this will be a test for her uh, if, she's, <laughs> if she's listening um, I think this is their second trip to Florida this year. Um, and I don't know if they've got the dining plan or not, but, um, you know, if you were doing that, then it, it's it's probable that if you bought that, you'd probably have made your money back on, on, yeah. on two trips. Um, I suppose in the UK, a lot of people do have the dining plan. So maybe it's appeal to those kind of people that, in, you know, have uh, DVC or... Uh, have have somewhere that they have as a, a holiday villa uh, that they might rent out throughout the year and you know stay there whenever. Um, so if you're going multiple times, and yes, it probably does. And I suppose for Florida residents, even even more so, because yeah. they obviously get a lot of repeat business. Um, okay, yeah, maybe maybe it's it is a good deal after all. Just just I think it's a shame it doesn't come in as part of uh, your annual pass, but. Uh, there you go. Um, 
Mr. D, did you say you had a story you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, it's a bit of a sad one, really. Because um, obviously this week, Marty Sklar passed away, didn't he? Yes. Uh, Disney Imagineer. Um, you know, what with Walt, right back in the day. You know, worked for Disney for 54 years. And is actually one of the few people, in fact, I wonder how many were actually there for the opening day of every every park up wow. to this point, including Shanghai. Wow. I believe he was the only one. Possibly, yeah. It said, it said one of a few, but I'm trying to think, you yeah. know. Well, I wouldn't know. Well, I think, I think Roy probably went to, I mean, I know he was there at Paris's opening, and I believe mm. he was there at Tokyo's. He was definitely there at Disney World's. So I wonder if, if he may have been you know, the only one, I mean, uh, Hong Kong I, I opened after he died, didn't it? So... Yeah, and then Shanghai. Yeah. So but Marty was there Bob, for all of them. Bob Gurr, maybe. Mm-hmm. May have been there for all of them. So what yeah. kind of... Um, you said he, he, he worked alongside Walt and that. What um, attractions did he have a, a big hand in? Small World. Oh. Um... It was, he worked a lot on the, the 1964 World's Fair, so the stuff that came out of that. So Castle of Progress, Small World. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he wrote a lot of Walt scripts as well for speeches and, and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it wasn't that yeah. long ago he actually retired. I think it was 2009, was it? Yeah, he officially retired from that role, but then he became like an international ambassador. Yeah. So he was going around telling everybody about like future attractions and stuff like that on behalf yeah. of the Walt Disney Company. Yeah, you never you never out out. It's like the mafia, isn't it? You try and retire, but they always get you back to do something. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure it was not against his will, mind you. I think he he <laughs> generally seemed to enjoy that kind of stuff. But just um, when you think you're getting out, they drag you back in again. Uh, and he's got that. a window on Main Street in Disneyland. Which is one of the highest honours that can be bestowed anyway. Yeah. Uh, to a Disney employee. So, no, I mean, I think um, he was one of those names that, you know, if, I, if I'm honest, I don't know a lot of Imagineers. Like, you know, if somebody said, name me 10 Imagineers, I'd probably struggle a bit, to be honest. Um, yeah. But he was one of those, like, um, uh, Tony Baxter. Uh, is another one that I I know quite well and like his work and obviously um, Rhodey uh, as well um, but there's not many that I can think of off the top of my head and he was certainly a name that you heard a lot about mm. um, was he involved in Pirates as well? Yeah I believe I that? well I think he was around right, I yeah. don't think he had a huge influence on the ride itself but I think I think he was around at the time that it was. Yeah, I think Mark Davis was was heavily yeah. involved in Pirates, wasn't he? Right. Mark Davis, Extensio were the two yeah. main. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, he's... R.I.P. Marty Sklar. Yeah, I mean he was, he was uh, eighty-three, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm reading yeah. that. So I mean, he, he had a good innings. Um, yeah. You know, so he did have that, and he obviously achieved a lot in those 83 years so um, always a shame when when somebody dies but um, you know he's got a long legacy 
he's got his window um, and he did a lot of great things so um, yeah yeah rest in peace well done um, Paul was there anything you yeah oh. I've, I've got a couple of bits hmm. uh, something you never thought you'd hear on uh, Does Our Start but well, I don't uh, know, we've by... <laughs> said some really random stuff on this show. Before. We have. <laughs> reported by Sky Sports this morning that Michael Eisner will have purchased Portsmouth Football Club by the start oh. of the season. Wow. I, well, Blimey. I think we talked about this months ago when it was first yeah. kind of rumoured, but it had all gone a bit quiet over there, as yeah. the song goes. So it's actually happening. Yeah, should be completed this week. Why? God knows. He's <laughs> worth a billion dollars and he's buying Portsmouth. Yeah, he's got, by us. He's got a PlayStation. He's just thinking, well, what else do I need? <laughs> if he needs a podcast, we're up for sale. Um, well, well, or I mean, sponsorship, but for, right, for the right price, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. I, so is he, is he doing this as part of some kind of sports consortium? Well, he was the one that started all the like the Anaheim Ducks, that was his idea, and he bought the Los Angeles Angels as well, I believe, mm. uh, under the Disney banner. So it's not it's not unknown for him to be involved in sports sports companies. So it's... just a strange choice when he could have picked someone like LA or yeah, it's it, it is odd. I mean, I suppose American soccer, as they call it, are still not really taken off. Like I'm sure I just saw that. The biggest transfer has been completed in Major League Soccer history, and I think it was about yeah. two million dollars. Yeah, when see, they have a limit on what they can spend, they're given a drafting fee every year. Right, it's like American football. Yeah. Okay, but two million dollars—I mean, two million dollars or two million pounds in the English league would probably buy you someone with one leg. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it would, it would buy you. It wouldn't buy you somebody. Andy Carroll. Uh, no, I th- well, I mean, is he worth that? Possibly in, in his injury days, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd even struggle to see if he'd get that much money now. Um, but it just seems it's you know it, it still hasn't taken off there. So I kind of get why you'd go bigger. And I mean, the Chinese football scene at the moment seems to be going for a bit of a boom, but I expect that bubble to burst quite soon. Um, but it's just, just Portsmouth's just an odd one. Just very, very odd. Um, I mean, I suppose they're, they're not doing too bad. I mean, they're a Premier League club, aren't they? So, yeah. League One. Wait, League One? Yeah. Hang on, sorry. League... Portsmouth or boom? Who am I thinking? Under Bournemouth the, the Premier League. Yeah, that's, well, I, I can't help it. They're, they're similar places, aren't they? <laughs> I'm saying that just to get a load of abuse. Um, yeah, that's... It's... You know what he, he could do, rather than buying football clubs? He, he could actually be Iger's replacement. Oh! <laughs> right, you really do want us to get hate, don't you? I was only looking to get hate from two parts of the UK. You're just trying to get the world well, to hate us. Well, the thing is, you see, is would he have signed off on a load of blue Smurfs running around Animal Kingdom? Because the blue Smurfs, I can tell you now, if they're giving away food in the restaurants and they're also giving away hotel rooms right now, that would tell you what the attendance is like right now in Central Florida for a Disney. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mm. Let's, say, let's go back a few steps. What is... Yeah. So, hang on. So, they're giving away food in Animal Kingdom? 
No, no, no. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm just saying the thirty percent discount. Oh, they've, sorry, never, yeah. they've never done thirty percent discount yeah. as much as I've ever known. Yeah. Then they've got these deals on for uh, summer and autumn for really cheap hotel rooms. So you just know that you know Avatar is not setting the world on fire. Well, you know what? Is it Avatar, or is it the continued price increases, or the five or six years of not building anything in particular? Well, that that, that as well. Um, Trump. Yeah, it's Trump and the Hall of Presidents. Yeah, because the thing is, it's, least... uh, it's keeping them away in droves. Well, this is the thing. At least when Eisner was in the, it was in the big chair. He was every year he was building something, wasn't he? Hotels, rides, theme parks. You yeah. know, he's always building something, and doing something. Yeah, he built Disneyland Paris. Exactly. Where would we be without that? <clears throat> We'd still be in England. Anybody can make a mistake. <laughs> well, I never understood the sports thing because, I mean, on one hand, I did because you know the Mighty Duck was a popular series of films, um, and with. Uh, the Los Angeles Angels. There was also a Disney film, wasn't there? It was uh, Angels in the Outfield? There was some kind of crossover there as well. So I kind of got it, but I mean, both of those teams were terribly ran, and eventually they sold them at a loss, if I remember correctly. Um, I mean, I think they, they they both retained their names, but they had to change their logos a little bit, although not that much. I mean, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Logo, I think is still quite similar, isn't it? It hasn't changed much, I don't think. Uh, I only say that because I was in Primark the other day and um, they've got a Mighty Ducks style hockey t shirt. It's not, a, it's not a hockey jersey, it's quite weird. It looks like a hockey jersey, but it's clearly a t shirt. Um, I'm gonna have a look at there. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm trying to type in Mighty Ducks. Uh, yeah, careful. My phone. Yeah, well, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. Unfortunately, I wasn't really paying attention. I was touch typing and yeah, typed in something else instead. Although, in my defence, okay. the D and F are right next to each other, so that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. Uh, what's the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim's logo now? Sure, uh, it's still the same. I don't think it's much different. Yeah, is it the duck hockey mask? Yeah, crossed sticks. Well, I think it is. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a famous. Oh no, it has changed. It's now. God, I don't even, do you know what it looks like now? It looks like a gold Hadouken. That's that's what the logo looks like now, like a gold Hadouken. It's the only way I can describe it. It's very very bizarre. But the um, the actual. I, I still think they used that logo in uh, bits and pieces. Um, still in some some merchandise. Uh, they sold it in two thousand and five, and then changed the name of the team to Anaheim Ducks because they were the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the club was founded in nineteen ninety three. So by by Disney, yeah. So actually, they didn't buy it. That wasn't a thing no. they bought. No. That was just creation. Yeah. Okay. But he didn't make the movie, did he? Well, the movie had already been made before he came to Disney, I think. It was under his watch. No, I don't know. No, Eisner must have been. He would have been there by then. Yeah. Uh, was Eisner late? I'm not sure. Yeah, no, Eisner was. Um, I'll Google it. Eisner I'm sure I read. I'm sure I read. Eisner was 84. 
Yeah, it was after Beverly wow. Hills Cop that he was he was there. Was he responsible for that? Um, I'm almost certain he was working for Paramount at the time. So yeah, I, I think Beverly Hills was, Cop. I watched uh, I <laughs> so had a conversation about this. I watched Beverly Hills Cop three, two and three last night. I caught the end of two and watched some of three while I was doing some ironing. That well, that's machete get... order, isn't it? <laughs> machete machete order for Beverly Hills copies to forget there's a third one to be honest <laughs> that's where it got terrible but there was a line in it and I mean this was 1993 and um, there's a there's a bit in the film where he is um, framed for shooting one of the main characters in it and he's kind of like trying to keep being conspicuous and when he's walking around the street I mean it's it's, it's a ridiculous scene anyway but the guy turns around to his wife and he goes, hey, did you hear some black guy shot Uncle Dave? And I thought, how bizarre that in a film somebody's written a line where the emphasis has been on the race of the person that shot somebody rather than the, the, the actual story itself, which is somebody's been shot. And then about two minutes later, like he's in a, he's in a, he goes into a bar or something, and they have someone <laughs> says the same, has the same conversation, and says, "Hey, did you just see that some blog shot Uncle Dave?" And I thought that makes more sense. That's more realistic. But why would the emphasis be on a black person shooting him? Mm-hmm. That's Very part of the story. Exposition. But yeah, just, 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 just weird. Um, anyway, going he, off walks topic. In, he walks in the bar, and they all go, "Hey, look, there's a black guy. He <laughs> to shot him." Yeah. That's right. That's what happens. Um, but I don't blame Michael Eisner for that because he wasn't at Paramount at the making of Beverly Hills Cop 3. Um, but yes, yeah, so I wonder about the Los Angeles Angels. But either way, um, I don't think their record of... Michael Eisner's record of uh, having sports teams worked out particularly well. So I'm not sure... Could you imagine if he if he changed the name of them? Because that can happen, can't it? Yeah, if he owns the club, he could he could go to the FA and, and request a change of name, couldn't he? Like the whole Tigers. Yeah, or which are still not called the whole Tigers, are they? No, I think the I think the chairman. <laughs> yeah, I think the chairman refers to them as that, but no one else recognises that. And also, of course, MK Dons. Yeah, I mean they were they were obviously Wimbledon uh, at the time when they became the MK Dons when they moved the club. Was it seventy miles away or something? <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know that you know the Red Sox. They could become the the Southampton Scarlet Sox. <laughs> it's very possible. It's an idea. Yeah, send it over to him. Um, Emailing him now. Please do. Uh, I'd say, say it's from Craig Lucas, just in case. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's weird. So it's gonna it's gonna be ending quite soon then. This week, apparently. Oh, okay. Because their season starts on Saturday. Right. Uh, okay. Well, I think I think we've we've sports out. So, uh, Mr. Pw, you had something else you want to talk about? Yeah, I was just going to talk about the the reopening of uh, Rivers of America and the Disneyland Railroad, uh, and the the welcome return of Fantasmic at Disneyland. Finally. Had its full opening this weekend, I believe. Just gone. Am I right in that they've changed some bits of Fantasmic? They have. Uh, there's now a scene with Aladdin and Jasmine on the, the magic carpet. Um, doesn't go anywhere. It just sits on the stage. And they put some fog, fog underneath it to make it look like it's floating above the clouds. You know what I would have loved even more than that? 
is if they just stuck a carpet over a little tiny boat. <laughs> and just floated it along just the river. It, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, that would have, it actually probably would have looked better. <laughs> <laughs> but they've also, they've taken out, it's no longer Peter Pan and the pirates on the, on the Columbia anymore. It's now, That's a shame. Now that... pirates of the Caribbean. Oh. oh, so they've still got the ship then? Yeah, the ship's still part of it, but now it's ah, okay. it, it's Captain Jack saving um, Kira Knightley's character, and her name has completely gone out of my Elizabeth Swan, mm. having to save Elizabeth Swan from the skeleton pirates. Okay, right. Okay, that might be okay. Yeah, but that uh, I'm not. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. But that uh, scene versus. Walt Disney World. That's that was to me. That was a really good scene where the where the ship appears. Yeah, it's a bit of a shocker. Hmm. And so the Disneyland Railroad. Yes, I've never been on it because uh, I've never been to Disneyland. Um, and I, you know what? I don't think I've been on the Disneyland Railroad in. Disney World either actually I've only done it in Paris so does it have like scenes as you go around it does it goes through it's got a Grand Canyon scene mm-hmm. um, it's also got it goes back to the age of the dinosaurs as well in one of the scenes okay. um, but it gives you very good views of where Star Wars Land is going Okay. Because that's the reason why it's been closed. The the berm had to be moved because of Star Wars, um, and you can see now uh, Star Wars Land at Disneyland has three entrances, not just the the supposed two that people were were talking about. It's actually got a third. I can hear Craig like entrances. Desperately no one has to make any comments. No one on this podcast has three entrances tonight. <laughs> so we're all that's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Yes, just the two. Um, okay. So how long? How long has it been down for then? Uh, it's been down for nine months, I think. Oh, okay. So, so it was time. it was late last year that it went down. Right. Okay. So it's been a long time coming. The canoe canoe boats were back on the rivers of America as well. So. And the Mark Twain running once more. Well, if that doesn't bring everyone, you know, those those three things, if that doesn't bring them back to Disneyland in huge numbers, what possibly could? Other than well, course, you know, there's Disneyland fans. <laughs> they do <laughs> love a slow moving train around the parks. If uh, if they're the fans that I know, um, can I tell you something else about those trains? Mm-hmm. One of them has got the word Ripley written on it. Why so? Um, because Wall bought it off a bloke called Ripley. Believe it or not. Believe that or not. Yes. yes. I'm just Googling it now. I can't remember the first name. E.P. Ripley is written down one of the changes. Locomotive number two on the Disneyland Railway was purchased in 1954 by Walt Disney from E.P. Ripley. I just assumed that they'd been made. I didn't think they'd he been... was my great great great. No, it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> great great stranger. 
a stranger is just a friend you haven't met as um, as a street car named Desire Musical taught us in The Simpsons um, <laughs> right now I think we've held this off for long enough Mr Ripley mm-hmm. seems to be a bit angry the other day about well, something oh, in retrospect I don't think I should be but I think I should well in that case I'll hit the music we, we have a jingle well, I mean, there's, there's a, there was a jingle for Soap Dishes Soapbox. I'll just use that. It's Soap Dishes Soapbox! Okay. But, right. but the floor is now yours. Okay, okay. Let's pretend that we just had the jingle then. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't have to pretend. Well, yes, you do have to pretend because you can't hear it, but it will be in the podcast. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> I guess I have to do some post work. That's fine. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, so th- yes, yeah, so this this is my soapbox. Um, so bear with me on this one. Um, it was. Where should I start? Um, At the beginning, it's probably a good place. <laughs> See, I'm well prepared for this, as you can tell. <laughs> All right. There's in Anaheim in Los Angeles is the uh, Disney Studios where the studios that Walt built where to this day they make all the animated features where um, they've got the famous um, what do they call the canteen in in a film studio commissary commissary um, where Walt used to have his egg and chips or whatever it was he used to have for for lunch every day naturals Uh, for 10 naturals for 10 (laughs) Eighty-five dollars. Secret, secret menu item. Nachos for ten. Isn't that what I have on University Challenge? Sorry. It's obviously where that big building is that's got the seven dwarfs out the front holding the roof up, of where course. Emperor Iger sits and makes all of his um, business decisions. <laughs> oh, this is good. I just got this vision of Bob Iger now sitting in a chair with a hoodie cloak. <laughs> oh yeah, laughing definitely. manically. Yeah. Well, no, he is the emperor. No, no one can get rid of him now. Touche. He, he's yes. even he's even killed his his um, successors, isn't he? So that is that is also true. Um, anyway, before we get sued, moving on. Um, I was very, 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 very lucky to be able to have a tour of those studios because they are not open to the public, and they really never have been, pretty much. Uh, and in doing so, it, invo- it involved quite a, an elaborate process of joining D23, which D23, if you are in America, D23 is a very easy, simple process just to join Correct. that club. If you live in the UK, as most of us here know, yeah. it is incredibly expensive. Yeah. And the magazine and the bits that they send you, you have to wait a very long time to receive anything oh, from I I was a D23 member... Uh, 2009, 10-ish, something mm-hmm. around that time, and I would get the D23 magazine promoting the films, which at that point had then kind of been and gone <laughs> by the time I got the magazines. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost. I'm beat Max. <laughs> yeah, you're getting John Carter stuff come through, and it's already been ripped shred by the critics. Yeah, I literally, I do remember uh, getting a magazine uh, about that, just you know, hyping it up just after the movie had come out, and it was cl- uh, clearly about three months behind, if if nothing more. This month's edition, Song of the South. <laughs> 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 well, anyway, I joined it 
purely because I knew I'd be in LA and they were opening up for the first time or one of the first times D23 tours of that studio. Okay. So I knew I wanted to be in one of those tour groups. So I joined the club, got my membership number. I was poised at midnight when they put the, because you have to buy these things. These are extra, obviously. So I was yeah. poised at midnight, ready for the availability, got on at midnight, managed to bag two tickets. So then when I was out in LA in a few months' time, I could go to the studios, which I did. And whilst on the studio tour, they show you all of the, I mean, it, it's, I mean, to be honest with you, it's a bit of a boring tour, other than the fact that you're in their actual working studio. So the interesting things of note, you'll see obviously where all of the Saving Mr. Banks stuff was filmed. Mm -hmm. You can see where Walt used to sit and ponder and think about things. And, and But then there's a lot of stuff like these offices are rented to this corporate and this, this office is where legal is and this is where, you know, technical are. And anything to do with like the actual animated films you know, your Frozen, your Moana and all those kinds of things, they're sort of cut well away and you won't see any of that. Yeah. But you did see the Legends, the Disney Legends, um, what they call it, Avenue or Patio area. I don't know what they call it with all the different... <laughs> <laughs> nice part the Disney the Legends Patio area. <laughs> uh, Available for barbecues. And bar mitzvahs. Um so you got to see that and you saw some other cool stuff and it probably lasted about two or three hours. In fact, the really cool thing for me was they were doing reshoots today with their for Guardians of the Galaxy hmm. um, because they were adding in the Thanos bit at the end of the film. Right. So that was definitely an afterthought because they were filming it there after it had wrapped production in the UK. Hang on, so they, so, uh, so they do have sound stages there then? Yes. Okay, right. Yeah, so, the, so one of the first films they filmed there was actually Mary Poppins. Oh. Um, yeah, and they, they, one, some of the m more recent ones have been mostly things for reshoots, for trailers for Disney Channel, things like that. I mean, mo uh, another famous one is they had home improvement there for God knows how many years. <laughs> that was filmed there. Uh, anyway, at the end of the tour, there was this bungalow. It was a bungalow, and it was the Disney Studios store. And inside, uh, for Disney staff only and people on this tour, you could go in and you could buy Disney Studios stuff, yeah. which was branded Disney Studios. And it's the only place in the world you can buy Disney Studios Anaheim stuff. So based on that, I did buy a few bits and pieces. I bought some stuff for my desk. I bought some nice pens. They had some nice notepads and did diaries. You, did you buy the... Um... Director Mickey Vinylmation. No, I do have one of those. Mm -hmm. I think it comes from. I'm almost certain it comes from the same shop because you couldn't buy it anywhere. No, you can't. And a lot of people do the tour just to go to that store and then put it all on eBay. So that does happen. Okay. Anyway, this was about three or four years ago. Skipping forward to last week, it was my birthday. Was I, any, I, I think I wish any happy returns? Day. No, happy birthday. Um, I wish you okay. happy birthday. Um, <laughs> and my brother presented me with a Disney Studios, um, like I don't know what you call it, like a leather bound folder. Is this and it was about a five size? Yes, yeah, okay, carry on. And it had written on it Walt Disney Studios. Mm -hmm. So I said to him, I said, oh, thanks for this. How much did you pay on eBay for it? He went, oh, I didn't buy it on eBay. I went, what, come again? 
He went, I, I, I bought it in Blue Water. I was like, <laughs> nah, nah, no, you didn't. It, this is from eBay. Oh, no, no, I bought it from Blue Water in the Disney store. I was like, no, this is Disney Studios branded stuff. You don't buy this in Blue Water in the Disney store. He went, no, I did. So anyway, I happened to be in Blue Water the other day. And in the corner of the Disney store in Blue Water is shitloads of Disney Studios branded merchandise. Yeah. The Disney, if you're going to charge a premium and sell site-specific stuff, sell it at that site. Don't sell it everywhere. How does it make you feel, Chris? I, I feel, I, do you know what? I'm, I'm close to writing a letter. It makes you mad. It is. And then uh, this is why, you know, I'm going to start saying that Eisner needs to come back because you wouldn't have got that under Eisner's watch. Now, and of course, Eisner's watch is from Walt Disney Studios. Um, <laughs> it's probably got a very nice watch. Probably has. <laughs> I bet it's probably not Disney branded. Um, it's Portsmouth, no. The Portsmouth watch. <laughs> now, what's quite funny about that, Mr. Ripley? Because I had no idea. All, all you said the other day was you had a little bit of a. Uh, to do with the, of the Disney store, which, quite, mm. funny enough, took up about thirty seconds of your actual story, um, which I loved. <laughs> by the way, I love that story. Um, but what's interesting is I've not been in a Disney store for about a month or two, maybe. Mm-hmm. And on Thursday, as some of you would have seen on the Facebook group, I went into London and played a game of tag with uh, a man called Ian Lee who, who's a bit of a celebs in the UK and after we'd finished playing Tag in the Park with him and a few other people um, I was in London so I thought I, I don't get up here very often anymore, I work from home a lot I'm going to make the most of it and Hyde Park is near Oxford Street um, literally across the road so I took a 10-15 minute stroll down there to go to the Disney store and um, I, walked, I walked downstairs and to where is normally like the kiddie bit of Disney store, like the young ba- like children stuff down there and princesses and whatnot. And I saw a similar section that you were just describing, which is why I asked about the size of the the uh, the book that your brother had got you because mm-hmm. I did. I've, I've got to be honest, I didn't notice it was Disney Studios. What I did notice was it was bloody nice, mm-hmm. and all this stuff was a bit posh because it looks quite. Um, it looks quite grown up. That's probably the nicest way I can say it. And what I mean by that is it wouldn't go amiss in an office space. Mm-hmm. Whilst most Disney stuff is a bit outlandish and a bit in your face at times, a bit brash, this stuff is all quite um, deluxe looking. Yeah. It looks quite professional, that's what I mean. Um and so that's why I took notice of it. And they had—I don't know if they had as many bits as the blue uh, they did in Blue Water, but they had a few different things. They had a book, and they had some uh, desk stationery and stuff like that. But I didn't even put two and two together that that's what it was. Yeah. Wow. So theories, theories—they've probably overordered at the studios and thought, well, we're not getting enough D twenty three tours through here anymore because all the super nerds have been on them. It would make sense if what they were doing was they were doing like a range of. Because if there's one thing, and I mean, going back to the early, early days of this podcast, when it was me and Mr. D and another Paul, who's not on here now, 
um, that may come again once Christmas comes around. Um, <laughs> I, I had a soapbox rant about the fact that Disney Store didn't have enough stuff for adults, in my opinion, especially compared to what you get in the parks. Um, but this seems to be the first time in all that time that they've actually had that focus again. Now, if they're doing this like a limited edition run and the stuff was branded to but was different to the stuff you'd get in that store, I'd be completely fine with that. But if it's actually the merchandise that they've got there, I think, is, like, I agree with you, it's a cop-out. It's a massive Yeah, cop-out. I mean, you wouldn't expect to find Disney, uh, Disneyland Paris stuff in the Disney store. You sometimes do. In fact, if you go online, you can actually buy quite a lot of Disneyland Paris stuff. They don't tend to sell it in the store, but if you go on the Disney Store website, they do sell quite mm-hmm. a lot of Disneyland Paris merchandise. For example, in London, in the London store, they do sell both Cogsworth and Lumiere, which have only been park exclusive till now. But they do sell mm. them in a Disney store in London and online. Um, it's but, kind of interesting that they've that they've shipped that stuff from California all the way to England to sell yeah. it. That's that's so, what's so weird obviously, about it. Yeah, obviously, don't either they don't want to sell it in the states, or they certainly probably don't want to sell it in California anywhere near hmm. the studios. You just thought they just stuck it in the outlets or something? If they're going to do that. That surely yeah. would have made more sense. Um, I have to see if I can find out any more information about that, but. What you just made an interesting point there. So you wouldn't expect to see Disneyland Paris stuff sold in Disney stores, would you? Then expect to see Disneyland Paris stuff being sold in the French Pavilion at Epcot. I have seen them selling Euro Disney stuff in Epcot. Really? When it was that, Euro, that Disney. makes sense. Because, and the reason why I bring that up is because if you go to the China Pavilion right now. You can buy Shanghai Opening Day merchandise. Wow! Uh, somebody spotted it last week. I had various bits and pieces. I think things mainly like fridge magnets, from what I can remember, that kind of stuff. Um, but they had uh, Shanghai Disney Grand Opening merchandise on sale in the Chinese Pavilion. Crystal there, and that I think is just as bad I mean okay it's in a Disney park but really surely the whole purpose of having stuff from Shanghai or from Tokyo Disney or wherever is that you have to be there to get it if you could just go into a Disney store and buy something from in America and buy stuff from Shanghai Disney or Disneyland Tokyo or Disneyland Paris it would like to me that wouldn't feel special, and I think that's mm. the point you're getting at. Really, is that by selling, by being able to go into a Disney store and just buy something that's supposed to be exclusive to somewhere else, it takes the magic away a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose. I mean, but, if they sold Alani Al- stuff in the Polynesian Resort, that would be a bit much, wouldn't it? Hmm. Well. To be honest, I think they'll be happy to sell it anywhere at the moment. You know, <laughs> Poundland is coming calling. 
Um, <laughs> tell you what I did buy in Alan. It wasn't uh, branded to them at all, but I bought these Vinylmation Mickeys from the Shorts. Oh, yeah. What, the ones and that are... Uh, not they're not vinylmations. No, in the in the strictest sense, but they're branded vinylmation. Yeah, so they're not in that shape, that typical vinylmation yeah. shape. They're just miniature figurines of Mickey from the uh, the shorts, and they're they're really good. I put them on the on the um, I've dotted them about the house on different window ledges and things. I I've not I've not seen them. I don't know if they've made it to Disneyland Paris, but um, I'm not a big fan of the shorts, so I like any of that. Of that stuff, to be honest, any merchandise from those mm. uh, from those shorts. We've got um, from this store. We bought a set of mugs of the characters in that style. So mm. they're three D mugs, so they're proper faces. I think they do a new range now, which are normal shaped mugs with you know pictures of them on. But these are shaped to their heads. So we've got a Goofy and a Donald and a Minnie and a Mickey and I think a Daisy. Pretty sure we got mm-hmm. all of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I like the short stuff. So yeah, those those animations. Although I don't really refer to them as animations, that you know they brand them as such, and they're pretty cool. So slightly jealous, slightly jealous of those. But yeah, it's 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 an interesting point because I'm like you. I think it should be it's a nice memento. Um, you know, going back to like the Cogsworth and Lumiere, they don't really to me. I don't see why they can't be sold elsewhere because they're not specific to a park but if I had something Disneyland Paris written on it that I could just buy anywhere it wouldn't have that same feeling yeah memory the thing thing with it was that when we were in the actual store that's what the people that were working in there were sort of spouting that this stuff is unique to this if you, you know this is your one and only chance to ever be in this store you know all of this stuff we we get cast members that come here and they buy loads of stuff for their families. And, oh. yeah. So, I mean, I get it. Stuff can change, and you know, just because something's limited one day doesn't mean it'll be limited the next. It's like um, the Run Disney shoes that they make; those really expensive New Balance trainers that they do yeah. every year for Run Disney. Um, I know that. I mean, I think they're about two hundred dollars or something when they come out. They're quite expensive. But I know last year um, they were they hit the outlets uh, a few months after they'd, they'd launched, um, and it was whatever stock they obviously had left. But they couldn't. There was only certain outlets that had them. So basically, if it was a Disney store outlet that wasn't near a park, it could sell mm. them. So like you you wouldn't have found them on iDrive, but you would have mm. found them at another. Disney outlet further away and I don't know where all the Disney outlets are to be honest well well, I wondered if responding to your original soap box about them you know um, not having enough adult stuff in the in the store I wondered if perhaps this is like a new brand of office furniture uh, office stationery that they're just calling it the studios and well that's I mean it'll be interesting to see you know to me what what's important here is is this the exact same stuff that you saw in the shop mm. or is this like that stuff because if it's like that stuff and what they're doing is this new executive range mm. then I don't really have too much of a problem with it but if it is the stuff that was in that place designed for them 
then I think it's a cop out. Yeah. So I don't know. I might. Um, I would do it now, but um, I'm not the best at multitasking, and we've already looked up at uh, cans of chicken tonight. So uh, <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to oh, look yeah. up anything else. But it'll be interesting to see if um, it's on a Disney Store website and what it says, because sometimes if it's a new range of, if they have like a range of stuff on there, they normally describe what the range is is for, what it's been based out of. Um, only thing is the parks have always had a bit more of executive stuff than you'd get in a Disney store anyway it's not new to have stuff like this but it's the first time I've seen it in a Disney store rather than at a Disney park and that's the that's the key difference but um, yeah well if anyone can compare if anyone has got a book from the studios uh, and has seen what they saw in the Disney stores in the UK let us know how they compare. Um, I do miss D23. But in the UK, it's so expensive. Mm, I don't know why it is, though. Why is that? It doesn't seem to make sense. Well, I'm almost... If I remember rightly, I think I used to have to pay about $15 shipping for the magazine. Yeah, but and I was on my... top of the membership. I know people that get those, um, oh, what do they call them, uh, nerd boxes or whatever they're called, you know? Loot crates and stuff like that. that that's it, them. And a lot Other of them come from America. Yeah. Well, a lot of them come from America. A lot of them come from Canada. Mm. And they don't pay any extra shipping on those. No, it's very odd. Although, that, see, that's the thing that's annoyed me now. Like, like Disney do their own version. Disney's version doesn't ship out of America. Um, they've done a few. They've done... Uh, they did one I think for the Haunted Mansion last year they were selling boxes on a Disney store there and they also did one for Zoom Zooms mm-hmm. and in both of those you would only get stuff you could buy in these boxes so um, I, I I bought one, I paid a stupid amount of money like an idiot for one for my daughter because it was an Alice in Wonderland one and it was the only way that she could get a diner the cat now I've still not given this to, to her because she's kind of gone off some so I don't know what I'm supposed to do um, but I had to buy that get it shipped to somebody in America who then had to ship it again so basically I had to pay the shipping twice um, and it's a real pain but those boxes now the whole idea about loot crates and I think the only person on this podcast that might have ever had a loot crate is P-Dubs have you ever had a loot crate? I haven't no weirdly oh. though I actually got given a t-shirt from one the other day Oh, okay. Um, but I haven't just due to the import duties and things like that are just ridiculous. You don't get them. Mm, no, you don't. It depends on how it depends on how you're doing it. No, if you get if you if you order a loot crate in the UK, um, to be uh, shipped yeah. to you, they they it doesn't get imported. And I, I don't know if that's because it's dispatched in Europe or not. But yeah, so. yeah. I've I mean I've had a few loot crates. Um, I've only bought a couple, but. Um, never had a, a customs charge. They, I don't know if it's because of the value they declare on it or how they ship it, but either way, um, actually, you're right buying a loot crate. Um, just just if, in case anyone else has been put off by them. Um, but when you buy a loot crate, the idea is, is that whatever's in that crate is exclusive to them, and if you don't buy it by the deadline, you can't, there's no chance of buying it again. And you can't get the stuff. Now, what they have started doing is they will themselves sell items individually from those crates later on 
side effects of the object. And then the other day, I went into a home bargains, and they had a series of figures, like little models. They weren't actually action figures, but little models that were Loot Crate exclusive. They were selling in home bargains for like four quid. They had Deadpools and Hulks and Batmans and all sorts. So, what is exclusive anymore? The word exclusive doesn't seem to actually mean anything anymore. It's like Limbs Edition, they put Limbs Edition on stuff. How many times have you seen Limbs Edition on something and there's been no actual size of edition? Because you used to always get that. You know, this is limited to one of a thousand or something. But I see lots of stuff now that's just as limited edition. And what does that mean? Or, the other way around, I've got a limited edition Harry Potter box set, which is one of about 85,000. Is that really limited? 85,000? Yep, it's limited. Well, <laughs> yeah, okay, there's only 85,000. It's not very exclusive. But... Yes, yes, no, that's, that, yes, that's it, you hit the nail on the head. You hit the nail yeah, on the head. it's just, you know, it's a marketing play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, things that are limited edition that have no actual number on or even worse. I bought films that have said limited edition and thought, well, I'd better go and buy it now because how long is it going to be out for? Well, four years later, I can still walk into HMV and buy it. So how limited is that? Mm. Um, right, well, thank you very much, though, Chris. That was interesting. Could, could I make just one final plea? Abs- uh, make as many pleas as you want. If probably around 100 people find a cinema that's still showing Beauty and the Beast, the 2017 version, and pay a ticket to go and see that film, Beauty and the Beast, by a whisper, will take over all-time gross uh, and will cap Frozen's record. Wow. You might not even have to do that if you've got an unlimited card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just and you just book a ticket, even if you don't go and see it. Well, I wonder if because I'm 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 pretty sure they'll be showing that as like kid screenings um, at a weekend because they still, although it's out on on Blu-ray now, they still do that of a of a Saturday morning. They still put on yeah. slightly older films for kids. Um, mm. I know definitely that the Prince Charles in London is a very famous cult cinema in London that shows um, more often not more unusual films um, they had been showing recently, I'm not sure if they're doing it at the moment but they had been doing sing-along versions of Beauty and the Beast so uh, that's interesting and then, and then at the, currently it's the 10th most watched film worldwide gross, it's at 1.2 billion hmm. uh, and Frozen's number 9 so how much does it need to be frozen? Oh, only ten point something million, you know. No, not 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 a huge, not a huge nah. deal then. Or if you're rich, you can just hire out the cinema, uh, and you know you get them to put on whatever film you want, mm. and uh, you know that's another way of doing it, I suppose. But uh, it's interesting. I wonder if it's I wonder if it's not opened up in any markets yet. Because I know, I know there was a few markets that had delayed it. Like, you know, Russia was one, wasn't it? And I think Malaysia had put a kibosh on it as well because of that gay scene. Or, yeah. sorry, that 
possibly gay two seconds of film. It even lasted that long. Um, I mean, it's, it's not even that, in my opinion, but... <laughs> No, that's, <laughs> it's, uh, I, my daughter had it on the other day and I, I come down and just caught the last few minutes of that film and I was watching it and like he's literally blinking, you miss it, isn't it? Mm. I honestly think if they hadn't mentioned it, no one would have ever batted an eyelid. I really yeah. don't think, I think that was the biggest mistake. I mean, you know, in some ways maybe it helped because maybe, well, I don't know. Do we honestly think people that are gay weren't going to go and see Beauty and the Beast? Like it's never it, no. What I mean by that is it's never been something that's like alienated gay people, is it? Exactly. And it's a musical, and the stereotype is, of course, that a lot of gay people like musicals. Um, but I really think that it probably hindered it a little bit more than it actually. And we know that from the extreme Christians that kicked off about it in America as well. They refused to go and see it. So I think it would, if anything, probably did more damage to it than it should have done. Um, which is which is a shame. Um, now, just just because you mentioned film, one one quick thing was uh, you finally got to see Spider Man yesterday. I did, yeah. Finally, after all these weeks and months of trying to see it and just being too busy. Well, it's it's, um, it's been out uh, less than a month. Don't worry. Oh, is it? Oh, okay, all yeah, right. Only it come out. Like I was the only one in the world that hadn't seen I it. I think so. it came out on like the second of July or something over here. So it was something like that. Yeah, yeah, and I I thought it was absolutely brilliant, best Spider-Man film they've ever made, and probably, well, definitely in my top three of Marvel films. Did you see it in Tudor or Thudor? I saw it in Tudor, mm-hmm. which is the new way of seeing films, I believe, and I yes. saw the post-credit sequence as well, which I mm-hmm. thought was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michael Keaton at the moment has got this renaissance, hasn't he? He is absolutely hitting it out of the park. Oh, in every film. he is he's a new Matthew McConaughey, yeah, in my opinion. Uh, in terms of uh, yeah, c- career redemption, I remember the first film that me and my now wife went to see at the cinema, and I mean this is this is always a problem when you first start dating. If anyone can remember that far back, is uh, <laughs> you know cinema is a popular choice for a first date. I think, and uh, I said to her, you know, I'm, I'm a, I like films, so you know if you want to go to cinema, that'd be a good idea. And she was like, yeah, and I said, okay, well, you know, I'll let you choose what we go and see. And she said, oh, I've, I've heard this film's supposed to be quite good called White Noise. And I was like, okay. Oh. <laughs> so I, hadn't, I didn't know anything about it, but I'd seen like a couple of TV spots for it. And I was like, okay. Um, and that was the first film I'd seen Michael Keaton be in in quite a long time. He seemed to really disappear for a long time and not really appear in anything. I think that same, I think around the time that that came out was when Herbie had come out. Because he was in that Herbie remake, wasn't he? Or re- oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. He, was in, he was in Fully Loaded. Um, now, obviously, best remembered as being the name of uh, a decent KFC box meal. But before that, Fully Loaded I was I thought you were going to say film. the nickname for Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> well, she's also <laughs> normally Fully Loaded nowadays. Um, but or yeah. Wagon Wheel covered in nachos. <laughs> that is also Fully Loaded. Um and so White Noise was the first one I've seen Michael Keaton in a long time and the film was distinctively average and not very memorable but I remember liking him in it uh, and thinking I wish he did more films um, and then he kind of had a little bit of a comeback with Birdman the most disappointing film I think I've ever seen um, yeah. but I mean, don't I'm watching that this weekend so 
I, I, oh dear. I, I think, what, look, as long as you just realise this, it's not a superhero film. And I think as long as you understand that, you'll, in, you, you'll probably enjoy it. But okay. if you, I, I saw the trailers leading up to it coming out, and what the trailers were showing you and what the film was are two completely different things. In an age where trailers ruin films to the point that I have often not gone to see films because of seeing the trailer too many times, that was the complete opposite. So, so how many people can say they've been the Batman, the Birdman, and the Vulture? Yeah, exactly. Although he's not been Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. So there's still hope for him yet for another another bird-related role. But he has been Beetlejuice. So when is he going to become back and be Beetlejuice? Well, there was, there's been a script going around for the last 20 years of Beetlejuice Goes Hawaii. And Beetlejuice would suit Hawaii, I'll be honest with you. Beetlejuice well, Goes to Hawaii. That, well, that's what it could be that, now. I mean, now that know, would life in that place, that, that's for sure. Michael Keaton is, <laughs> has always said he's open to it, and Tim Burton has hinted that he'd be interested in it as well, but just go ahead and do the damn film. That's what I'll I tell say. you what happened, right? This is Crystal Ball, right? Tim Burton's doing Dumbo. It's going to be a massive flop, and he's going to be desperate. He's going to be on his knees. He's going to be like, please, Disney, I used to be your apprentice. Please, let's do something. And they'll be like, no, get out and don't let that door hit you on the way out. And as he's walking down Hollywood Boulevard in tears, somebody from Paramount's going to pick him up and go, hey, Let's do Beetlejuice. Well, you know the other thing as well is who's who's in Dumbo? Johnny Michael Depp, Keaton. Michael Keaton. Oh. <laughs> so if that <laughs> doesn't get the oh, ball rolling, if they're not sitting there at, on their lunch break in the uh, in the food trucks or something like that, and not talking about how they're going to make Beetlejuice go to Hawaii, they're doing it wrong, in my mm. opinion. Um, on a side note to to you seeing Spider Man. I went to see Dunkirk yesterday. Ah. It wasn't very Disney related, mm-hmm. but it's the biggest film in the world at the moment, pretty much. It did manage to hold off the Emoji Movie. Um, what? Ironic, ironically, the Emoji Movie um, finished at number two in the box office. <laughs> ironic because that is number two, world. <laughs> number two, does seem to be what people's opinion is generally of the uh, Emoji Movie, and of course, also. The role that uh, Patrick Stewart has in the Emoji movie is a number two. Um, but yes, I went to see Dunkirk yesterday, and I had to go and see it very early in the morning because I was worried that if I went to see it and it was, was going to be busy, I might be sobbing like an idiot and would show myself up in the cinema. And luckily, uh, I was going alone, so my wife couldn't laugh at me afterwards. Um, but I didn't cry. Now, this is from somebody who cried quite a few times during War of the Planet of the Apes. So what does that tell you? I don't know. Um, I'll be quite honest. I'll, I I was not a fan of, of yeah. Dunkirk. Don't get me wrong. Oh. It was certainly better than the other film I watched yesterday, which was mm. Batman vs. Superman. Um, sorry, sorry, Lee. Um, but I, I, I was really disappointed. I've not... Mm-hmm. I, I've got a very love-hate relationship with Christopher Nolan, but I honestly that watching trailers for Dunkirk I thought this looks amazing and then my friend went to see it opening weekend and said you're going to love it and everyone that I've seen talk about it mostly has been positive about it but I, it just left me a bit cold and I was really surprised what won't come as a surprise is you will not understand 90% of Tom Hardy's dialogue 
oh, what's new there? Exactly. Has he, he brought the Bane voice thing with him then, has he? No, but he's wearing a... Um, he's flying a plane, so he's wearing a mask. So Chris Nolan obviously doesn't like Tom Hardy's mouth. <laughs> yeah. Being visible in a film. That's very apparent. He's obviously got an issue with that. Um, but to be honest, I think it's the usual hands in a score of being really bass heavy and unnecessary um, a lot of the time the, what I will say is if you do go and see Dunkirk see it in the best sound and screen size experience you can because uh, despite the sound check being shit the actual sound effects in a, I wouldn't see it in Dolby Atmos and hearing like bullets flying around past your head in all different directions is really unnerving and works really well um, and it is a film that deserves to be seen on the big screen what I will guess right now is watching it at home will be even more lacklustre for me than seeing it on the big screen I really well, like, like Avatar um, well yeah I mean I'm, I'm lucky enough I've got 3D TV and a 3D copy of Avatar so I can watch Avatar in 3D and still be impressed by the effects but if you watch Avatar in 2D it is pony absolutely pony <laughs> Um, but yeah I, do, I think I just think the screen size is what makes it uh, an, an event that's what it was like Dunkirk was an event I'm, I'm glad I saw it at the cinema mm-hmm. but I just don't think it's going to be a film that is going to be looked back at fondly in years to come when people have digested it and are watching it on a smaller screen don't even think about watching it on a plane not because it'll make you une- uneasy um, but just because the experience is going to be completely snakes. lost, <laughs> you love snakes on a plane. No that's snakes. fine. There's there's never any issue with snakes on a plane. In if history thought was one thing, it's that snakes on planes go together and no calamity can ever happen. I think that's <laughs> I think it's safe to say. Yeah, nothing. Uh, nothing. Nothing could ever possibly s- go wrong with no, that plane. Not at all. S- snakes can safely travel on planes with no dangers to anyone. Um, but yeah, I was just a little bit um, lost at sea with Dunkirk. Yeah. There's your pun. Um, but again, you know, if you if you that, you know, at the end of the day, I, I seem to be in a, in a minority here. People that didn't enjoy it, so um, just go and see it on a big screen. That's all I'll say. If you're going to go and see it, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. I'm going to try and see it again next week. Oh, so you've seen Dunkirk? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you disagree? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I did really enjoy it I mean it's but then I'm I'm a fan of that genre of movie you know what I mean I really like Hacksaw Ridge thought that was fantastic Saving Private Ryan we still haven't seen Hacksaw Ridge I really want to see it um, but we haven't got around to to seeing it yet but that also looked good I see what problem was with Dunkirk and what I think is different with Hacksaw Ridge according to people that have seen both is what I didn't like about Dunkirk was there didn't seem to be any character development I know it sounds like such a stupid thing, but I think the reason why I felt so cold was because I didn't really care about the characters, which is stupid. But mm. I was trying to describe it to the wife, and I said, like, when you go and watch Titanic, although it's a bloody long film, in that three hours or so, you understand the characters and you get their backstory and you get to experience stuff with them. Whilst in Dunkirk, these people are just there. And yeah, don't know anything I, about them. Yeah, I 
Well, I, I know what you mean. I mean, I, I did care about a couple of the characters, but I know what you mean. Yeah, it was it one, one character I cared about. It's a strange film, really. It's... It's hard to it's hard to put your finger on, but and it's well done. I mean, I think I think the way yeah. it's it's kind of three different timelines mm-hmm. is interesting. That's not a spoiler, by the way, people. Like you find that out within like the first two minutes of the film that there's different timelines going on, all leading up to the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, and, and that's quite clever in how that's done. But um, yeah, I, I just but it's for, to me, it's very much about telling the story of Dunkirk really rather than it's told through characters obviously like any film is but it's it's more about the telling of the story than it is about the individual characters if that makes any sense so I know what you mean you don't there is a central character I think yeah you know there's there's a couple of key characters but there's there's one central character who's there at the beginning at the end and you you do kind of care what happens to him I think but mm. but it's all against still telling the story from a couple of different perspectives of what Dunkirk's all about and I don't know maybe it's maybe it sort of touches my patriotic side um, but for me you know it, it works for me but it's definitely not uh, uh, been appreciated by the French <laughs> and about no. their involvement they were quite upset about it well um, no did you um, just one last thing and we'll close um a lot of people have apparently complained about the sound, uh, about dialogue, not just about Tom Hardy, just in general of the film. Did you find it was sometimes quite hard to hear what mm. was being talked about? Re- I don't remember thinking that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm going. Like I said, I'm going to try and see it again next week, so I'll watch out for that. But I, no, no, I don't remember thinking that. I mean, there are certainly there are sections of the film where there isn't actually a lot of dialogue in it yeah yeah and I, I mean I've got no no issue with that either I don't think a film mm. needs to be dialogue heavy but I yeah. think sometimes sometimes less is more but sometimes you, you there, there was probably need to have a bit more meat around it um, but yeah there was there was things that I I struggled to hear a bit and I just thought it was me um, being a bit deaf or something but um yeah, uh, there, there's been a couple of uh, cinemas in London. They've had loads of complaints about the sound, and mm. to be honest, like the Dark Knight Rises was the same. A lot of people complained when that came out. I found it very hard to hear the dialogue over the soundtrack sometimes. Um, yeah. I just think he needs to invest on new sound mixes. To be honest, yeah. Oh, no, Batman. <laughs> Batman, let me take control of the city. Um, actually, that sounds more like Marvin the Martian than Batman. Oh, I say like Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he'd make a good Batman <laughs> film. <laughs> yeah, Batman should make it himself, huh? Um, actually, that sounded like Kermit. <laughs> we'll go, at least we'll get at least we'll get back to Disney again. Thank God for that. There you go, Nick. You could be the new Kermit. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's it's almost a vacant. Well. It, you know, it's 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 not a vacant role, but I suppose if he's doing Kermit, I need someone to do Constantine. So I could probably do Constantine as he's a lesser scene muppet. Hmm. Yes. Maybe there's a career for him. Um, right, well, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Um, unfortunately, this is what happens when there's not a woman on the show. Uh, we kind of descend into a bit of... Sorry, Craig. 
<laughs> and go a little bit off topic. Um, but thank you. Yeah, you did say old woman, didn't you? Uh, well, that's what I was inferring to, yes. <laughs> Rather than, than, than young. Uh, she, who would have kept us in check as well, but uh, not as much as Craig. Um, who was talking about Juliet Bravo earlier, just to really show his age. So uh, I think a lot of people have to Google Juliet Bravo. Um, but thank you for listening. And uh, I'm not sure if there's a Universal After Dark coming out this week. We recorded the last ever Pop After Dark, uh, which came out last Friday. Um, that that might be interesting. Uh, it was certainly an experience to record. So if you feel if you want to listen to that, I know that Adam complained of the same issues with Dunkirk as as Pop After Dark. He couldn't understand a bloody word that he, was being said at times. But that's what happens when you record with Northerners. Um, <laughs> And there goes the other half of the country hating us. Um, but there might be another Universal After Dark later this week, and there'll be another Dis After Dark probably next. So uh, we'll see you then. All right. Have a good one. A Mary Poppins show. Tatty bye. And we're out. Hi, and thank you for uh, listening to this latest episode of Dis After Dark. It's it's always appreciated. Um, I just wanted to say uh, a quick thank you, if that's okay, because um, on the previous episode, and even the start of this one, I, I talked to Liz a bit about um, my son and, and him being recently diagnosed with autism. Um, and I obviously talked about it from a, a personal point of view, um, but what I didn't talk about very much at all uh, was the impact of, of my wife in this situation. Um I, and I mean, she's been integral um, to this. Um, it's I think anyone that has somebody who's autistic will, will understand that to get a diagnosis is not particularly easy at any age um, because it's such a, a big spectrum, and especially with a young child, um, it's a, you know even even harder because um, I think people want children to. Um, have the, the chance to to hit some of the things that you think they they may not be so things like speech um but she's always um been pushing to make sure that he is being seen by the right people and and to try and get a diagnosis and i can honestly say had she not done what she'd done um we probably wouldn't have had a diagnosis at the, this early age anyway which is the best time for him to have that um because the earlier that you can start work on on this the more chances of success um and she's just been fantastic she's a she's a wonderful mother anyway but um you know she's if it wasn't for her her effort in this then i i don't think we'd have a result as we do at the moment um and also she's helped me because by her doing this stuff and also um by going to classes and by taking him to support groups she's been able to get a, a much better understanding of, of autism than than i have and i'm kind of getting my knowledge and advice from her um and she's also um trying to learn makaton later this year um is that something that may help him be able to communicate um and she's also going on on other courses as and when they they come up to have a better understanding um, of, of what this condition is and, and what we can do to better our, our son's life. Um, 
And the thing is, like hosting this show, I obviously look at it from a point of view of, you know, I'm talking about myself. Um, but what I didn't want to do was take away the effort that she did. I mean, I think the phrase is behind every man is a great woman. Um, and none more so is that true than with me because, you know, without her being such an incredible mother to, to both of our children, um, we wouldn't be as lucky and as blessed as we are. Um, and Lincoln probably wouldn't be at the stage where he is um, if he didn't have somebody that was able to, to do what they could do. And uh, I know it's tiring at times for her because he, you know, doesn't want to leave her alone. Um, and she just does so much for them. So I, I just wanted to say publicly that, you know, how much her efforts appreciated. She might hear this, she might not. Um, but whether she does or, or doesn't, that's not the important thing. It was more to just let you know that, you know, it, it's down to my wife and her effort that we have the situation that we're in and that we're getting the right support which is the most important thing out of everything, that we're getting the right support for our son. Um, so, and I know it's going to sound I love you very much if you do listen to this. Um, and I don't want you to think for a second that I take that for granted because you do so much and you don't just make our kids better people, but you also make me a better person. And I just wanted to be quite open and explicit in just how big of an impact she has because you know it was obviously my feelings that I was talking about um and I, I may not have been um I, I may not have spoken about my wife and the effort but we wouldn't be where we were if it wasn't for her so um yeah I, I just wanted to say that and um that's it uh we'll see you on the next episode uh thank you for entertaining me thank you for listening to this show if you would like to support us and other After Dark Podcast Network shows please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash disafterdark that's p-a-t-r-e-r-n dot com slash disafterdark as well as supporting the show there are other goodies available including badges and soon t-shirts available as a thank you for your support Podcast.